April 1984 Nicaragua referred the U.S. government to the International Court of Justice claiming the U.S. violated international law by supporting the Contras. The ICJ ruled in favor of Nicaragua in 1986 and demanded reparations be paid to Nicaragua. The U.S. did not participate in the court proceedings. The U.S. also blocked enforcement of the judgment and thus prevented giving compensation. India's role in interference in Sri Lanka is well documented and one that demands Sri Lanka should officially put India's interventions internationally, seek apology and reparations too. The ICJ held that the U.S. was in breach of its obligations under customary international law not to use force against another state, not to intervene in its affairs, not to violate its sovereignty, not to interrupt peaceful maritime commerce, in breach of its obligations under Article 6 of the Treaty of Friendship, Commerce and Navigation between the parties signed in 1956. The U.S. intervention in Nicaragua goes back to early 1909's. Background reading on the Contras, Oliver North and various U.S. administrations will reveal much. The case in point and what Sri Lanka can take note of from the charges filed by Nicaragua against the U.S. was that the U.S. was recruiting, training, arming, equipping, financing, supplying and otherwise encouraging, supporting, aiding and directing military and paramilitary actions in and against Nicaragua, was this not what India was doing to Sri Lanka via Tamil militant groups that India created? Jane Commission report even gives the locations of where India trained these Sri Lankan Tamil groups. Nicaragua accuses U.S. of violating international treaty obligations. Article 2-4 of the UN Charter Article 18 and 20 of the Charter of the Organization of American States Article 8 of the Convention on the Rights and Duties of States Article 1, 3 of the Convention Concerning the Duties and Rights of States in the Event of Civil Strife U.S. breached customary international law by violating the sovereignty of Nicaragua, armed attacks against Nicaragua by air, land and sea, incursions into Nicaraguan territorial waters, aerial trespass into Nicaraguan airspace, direct and indirect coercions and intimidations. Using force and threat of force against Nicaragua. Intervening in internal affairs of Nicaragua. Infringing the freedom of the high seas and interrupting peaceful maritime commerce. Killing, wounding and kidnapping citizens of Nicaragua. These allegations, immediately call to mind how India forced the signing of the Indo-Lanka Accord in 1987. A call to the Sri Lankan envoy in Delhi with a subtle threat to not take action, the violation of Sri Lanka's air with the infamous Paripu drop, carrying Prabhakaran and family to India by helicopter, the many Sri Lankans raped and killed by Indian peacekeepers, the violation to Sri Lanka's marine bed using internationally banned bottom trawlers, the stealing of Sri Lanka's fish, the illegal immigrants, the interference in Sri Lanka's internal affairs, the list goes on. What is noteworthy is that while the U.S. put forward arguments against the judgment of the court, the countries that sided with U.S. did not challenge the court's judgment, its findings or the merit of the case. Undoubtedly, all of India's neighbors will side with Sri Lanka, as these countries have all been victims of India's intervention too. The judgment listed 291 points that U.S. was involved in unlawful use of force dash how many points can Sri Lanka list of India's interventions in Sri Lanka's internal affairs using unlawful use of force? We can recall the upteen times our officials had to virtually fly every week to Delhi to brief the Indians of the progress of Sri Lanka's military-slash-humanitarian cause in 2009. Why did Sri Lanka have to report to India, if we are a sovereign nation? 
What is poignant is that the court concluded that even though U.S. made its objections, U.S. was subject to the court's jurisdiction. In November 1986, the UNCA passed a non-binding resolution, 94-3 against, El Salvador, Israel and U.S., urging U.S. to comply with the June 27, 1986 court ruling. Points that the judgment gave against U.S. is relevant to India's interference and interventions in Sri Lanka, past and present slash ongoing. The court rejected U.S. justification of collective self-defense, this is similar at the eternal parroting by India justifying interference in Sri Lanka to maintain India's security concerns. When by the very assistance to Sri Lankan armed groups, India has virtually invited and opened its borders for its own balkanization by this act. Just as the court found U.S. guilty of training, arming, equipping, financing and suppling the Contras against Nicaragua, India by its own self-admissions via Indian diplomats, Indian military personnel, Indian journalists etc. self-confessed to arming LTTE and other Sri Lankan armed groups since 1970s as documented even by foreign think tanks like Council of Foreign Relations. HTTPS colon slash slash www.cfr.org slash backgrounder slash Sri Lankan conflict India's role in the conflict. If US was found guilty of violating the principles of non-intervention, India has to be guilty of doing same. Not only did India train, arm, financially assist LTTE and other armed groups, India even exerted pressure to amend Sri Lanka's constitution bringing the 13th Amendment and creating the headache of provincial council system. India continues to use diplomatic force to demand full implementation of the clauses of this agreement which India wishes to turn to its political advantage. India forced the signing of the Indo-Lanka Accord which rested on India committing to deliver five key clauses, which India has failed to commit. This automatically places the accord null and void. Under the principle of international law pacta sunt servanda, agreements must be kept, both parties must execute their mutually agreed obligations in good faith. India breached its obligations under the accord. The Indo-Lanka Accord was signed on July 29, 1987 in Colombo under emergency while the 13th Amendment to Sri Lanka's constitution was passed on November 14, 1987. There is no word in the Indo-Lanka Accord that mentions amending Sri Lanka's constitution. The accord makes no mention of devolution either. There is no mention of devolution in the exchange of letters between Indian Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi or Sri Lankan President Junior Jayawardena. Their letters and the Indo-Lanka Accord at least speak of the Northeast provinces and a system for these two provinces only. How did 13th Amendment come about? Given that 13A is now part of Sri Lanka's constitution, India has no right to add, remove or amend any of its clauses. India violated Sri Lanka's airspace with a Paripu drop. India threatened Sri Lanka if we took action against India's interventions. India rescued a terrorist and flew him and family out of Sri Lanka to Delhi where Indian PM presented this terrorist with his own bulletproof vest. India armed 35 militant groups of which LTTE became supreme virtually killing off the other leaders. Indian peacekeepers killed and raped Sri Lankans, documented by LTTE itself. India trained an armed group to be headed by their poodle Varadharaja Paramal, Tamil National Army, isn't it ironic TNA has become Tamil National Alliance parroting what India and West wants. The use of internationally banned bottom trawlers that ruin our marine bed, marine environment and livelihood of our fishermen is a violation of Sri Lanka's territorial waters but a marine crime as well. The influx of illegal immigrants is also a topic that needs to be taken to the table. 
The manner that India uses Tamils as a guinea pig to exert its political will is a factor that has resulted in unnecessary tensions amongst communities. The manner India has used its powers to exert its will culturally, economically via cheap goods and manipulation of trade agreements is also a topic to debate. Sri Lanka cannot progress primarily as a result of India feeling that India must give the nod of approval for every internal decision any Sri Lankan government makes. Even the unhurt resolutions by West-EU bloc came only after India's nod of approval as did the 2002 Norwegian brokered CFA. Sri Lanka can come up with 101 policy papers and templates, but none of these nicely documented colorful blueprints will see light of day, if our politicians and advisors run with these documents and expect a pat on the back from India before implementing or a cut and chop if India objects. Look at the disaster of allocating key assets for development, how can we progress if we work on mathematics that claim, if we give X, we must give Y even if Y has no plans to do any development and wish to only embrace it and prevent it from developing. Isn't this going to be the story of Colombo's Western Terminal? Unfortunately, there are some in Sri Lanka who think because of the Buddhist link Sri Lanka must remain eternally grateful to India. Siddhartha was born in Nepal. There was no India. India has a history of 74 years having been christened India in 1947 by the colonial British amalgamating independent states and territories. India is making use of Buddhism as a soft tool to gain footprint in Asia as a political tool. However, some men in Sri Lanka think they must run to India and seek its approval without realizing Sri Lanka is a sovereign state capable of making its own decisions. If Cuba can stand up to the self-righteous global bully U.S., why can't Sri Lanka do the same with India? Nicaragua may not have got compensation but it won a moral victory and the example set by Nicaragua is certainly one that Sri Lanka should take against India. Whatever friendship Sri Lanka offers to India or however Sri Lankans and Indian people are close at personal levels, India's political framework and intel are only interested in destabilizing Sri Lanka. Shanali D. Waduj